Hey, and welcome back to the Fantasy Football Profits. Guys, as always, thank you so much for joining us here today as we do our Dynasty Running Back Rankings. One thing to note is because it's Dynasty Rankings, they're going to be coming up a little bit differently from our regular rankings for this season. And so there are going to be some guys on this list that are changed based on how we think they're going to do two or three years from now, the longevity, how young they are, you know, things like potential and stuff like that. So in case you just don't forget that, because if you forget that, sometimes you may think that these rankings are a little bit off. But again, that's kind of some of the motivations behind why we're ranking these guys where they are. Now, if you were involved in our fantasy playoff contest and you finished in the top 10, if you're not sure if you did, you can go to our website and check out our results. But if you did, make sure to leave a comment down below. Uh, with some of some information so that we can actually get you your prize. Um, what we'll need from you, if I'm not mistaken, Rob, is t-shirt size, the name that you would want on the back, and then the address. Is that not correct? That's it. All exactly right. it. All right, and then what happens, guys, is once we get the, the names for everyone who won, then we will go out and order them all together. It is way cheaper and way easier for us and more convenient for us to order it all at once. And so we will not be ordering the shirts till everyone gives us their information. Uh, we're just letting you guys know that last year it took quite a while to get the information from everyone for some reason. And so if you're wondering why it's you know maybe been two or three weeks or whatever, three weeks, four months, whatever, four months uh, or a month, excuse me, um, that's because we're just simply waiting for the information from everybody else. Sometimes it takes a while to get that, but uh, let's not waste any more time guys let's get into it here's our top 20 dynasty running backs all right first off how could we not put saquon barkley here at number one he was absolutely phenomenal and i almost forgot the other day when doing my research he was just a rookie this last year he did not play like a rookie he played like a man among boys at times he looked to be a veteran very mature um, out there on the field but let's talk about some of our statistics and, and really defend rob why is barkley number one over some of these other great options let's not forget guys like Gurley and elliott very well could be these number one guys but we got to give it to barkley yeah you know I'll tell you right now, he's my number one dynasty guy, but he's going to be, unless something drastically changes in the offseason, he's going to be my number one running back, period. Normally, I'm a guy that through the years, I, I'm conservative. I play close to the vest. I don't jump on the newest trend, newest hype. I tend to stay away with that. And typically, like you said, I would go with Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott. Um, somebody who's been in the league a couple of years who has a bigger resume, but not with Saquon Barkley. I've never been so confident in a player with this short of a resume. This guy is so talented. He's going to be a sophomore next year, still only 22 years old. Let's take a look at some of his rookie numbers real quick, and then we'll break that down a little bit, give some intangibles and why we think he's number one dynasty back to have. Why don't you start with some of his running statistics there? Yeah, so first off, we get 1,307 rushing yards right off the bat. That does not include his receiving yards. So boom, we see he's getting it done on the ground, but he's also doing it efficiency or efficiently. 5.0 yards per carry is very, very effective. And then we talk about some of those a bit more in-depth numbers. Uh, he finished second for yards after contact with 872 yards. And Rob, um, I believe you have a little bit more information on that correct yeah you know you talked about his yards obviously he had great rushing yards his great yards per carry and we're going to get into some of those things like you talked about but i think it's important to remember that those statistics especially the yards per carry are really good and consider the fact that eli manning struggled greatly although beckham was out for a while there and he really became the focal point of that offense as other defenses knew that and yet still uh, they had a hard time slowing this guy down you talked about his yards after contact well his yards after contact left him 16th amongst all backs but if you take away the guys that's had a few carries here and there and look at what we would call qualified backs, he was fourth among all backs in yards after contact. He was amazing there. 
Yeah, and then you look at some more information as far as the yards after contact goes. That was one of the best with 3.34 yards after contact. Of course, 50 first downs and 40 avoided tackles. Man, some of these sabermetrics as we're starting to look into really show just how impressive he was with an elusive rating of 67%. And get this, a breakaway percentage of 54%. That means 54 54% of his rushing yards came on carries of greater than 20 yards. He was very much Adrian Peterson-esque this season. Peterson used to be one of those guys, he'd get two or three or four yard carries and look very unimpressive. And then boom, he would take off for this just huge run, this 70 yard touchdown, and just have this fantastic fantasy game off of pretty much just one carry. Um, and that's what really made him impressive on the ground. But Rob, you have some of his statistics in the passing game because he was really, he was no... Uh, he was no bum in the passing game, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a 2-3 down back. He was not one-dimensional. He had an insane 91 catches. That's a rookie record for backs. Uh, most catches in a season by a rookie running back was phenomenal. He had 721 receiving yards. He had a total of over 2,000 total yards. This guy was phenomenal. Add to that 15 touchdowns, he was really good. You talked about his elusive rating. It actually left him eighth in the league. It's funny because when I looked at his rookie numbers, what he did, the cumulative of all those stats, um, I had to go all the way back to Eric Dixon to find a guy that has an impressive rookie year as he had there. Now, when we compare the two backs, Barkley versus Dickerson, uh, Dickerson was 6'3", 220 pounds. Barkley's 5'11", 233. That extra size, I think, bodes well for him long term. He's actually bigger than Eric Dickerson there. It's funny, uh, we didn't compare notes. God is my witness. We didn't talk about this at all. So I look at my notes here. Talk about he's a perfect combination of size, speed, cutting ability, explosiveness, vision. Adrian Peterson had the same combination, but Adrian had deficiencies in the passing game. Saquon Barkley has no deficiencies in the passing game. He's got great mm -hmm. hands, so I, I made the same comparison. Once again, very similar. The only difference was Saquon Barkley is better in the passing game. This guy's phenomenal. 91 catches. We'll get to that in a little bit there, but this guy was amazing. He truly is a complete package. There's no deficiencies. So... Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, honestly, when you come and you look at it, you look at these in-depth stats, a lot of times we put a guy in at number one and it's, well, he's number one. We have all these reasons, but we could see why somebody else would say otherwise. And, and there's some deficiencies. There's really nothing wrong with Barkley. There's absolutely nothing wrong with him. What he was able to do, and you talk about it, we talked about he's very much like Adrian Peterson, but like you said 91 receptions in the passing game and that production in the air is elite. That, that helps push him even further over the edge. Sometimes a lot of people don't do a lot of research in the passing game. And don't understand just how impressive 91 catches goes for a lot of running backs in the league in fact majority of running backs in the league 50 catches is a very good season and so he absolutely dominated i i, I think we should move on because let's be honest at this point he looks amazing but let's talk about some of these other guys who look really good barkley a clear cut number one but let's talk about some of the other fantastic options well, uh, before we get to that, I do want to go over some more things with him. I have quite a bit of notes on him because I want to really hammer home this point, I guess. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about him because I think we can look at his year and say, okay, this guy had an amazing year. Can he continue to do that? Can he be productive next year on that? We're talking about dynasty. We're talking about not just next year, but three, four, five, six years down the road. This guy is a physical specimen. I think him continuing to be effective and even improving on these numbers is totally reasonable. I looked at some combine numbers this guy. His bench press, 225 pounds. He did it 29 times, uh, most by any running back there. Look at the Browns offensive tackle, Joe Thomas, who was a 10-time Pro Bowler. Only did it 28 times in 2007. Um, his 10-yard split was a blazing 1.54 seconds. That's a 100th of a second better than Buccaneers wide receiver speedster Deshaun Jackson. Beat him. In the 40-yard dash, his recorded time of 4-4 was second best among all running backs. Devin Hester is one of the fastest kick returns in the NFL, um, had a 4.43. So you just see once again how fast he is. And then you look at the vertical jump, he had 41 inches. You know who that's better than? Julio Jones. 
Um, better than Julio Jones, who had a 38 and a half inch vertical. And so I think you look at that. Um, I think he can improve on those numbers. Here's why. One, I think physically he can do it. I think the offensive line is going to continue to improve. Going into 2018, they need to make adjustments. They did. They did improve there, but there's still room for improvement. Um, I think another thing that's going to help there is Eli Manning early in the season was bad, but as the season went on, they made adjustments. The Giants averaged 27.4 points per game the second half of the season, but in the first half of the season, it was only 18.8. So you look at that offense under Shermer is getting better. I think that can translate to next year as that offense improves. You're going to see his numbers go up. Uh, Odell Beckham missed time with an injury. He'll be back. And when he's on the field, defenses have to account for Odell Beckham. Like, what are you going to do as a defensive coordinator? You know, uh, load the box and leave um, Odell Beckham out there in one-on-one. -on -one. And Evan Ingram out there as well. And a good number to Sterling Shepard. Like, it's just a disaster. So, you know, that's going to bode so well for him there. And you know what the thing is? I think a lot of people think, okay, well, Odell Beckham was gone, so they really focused on Barkley. But Odell Beckham will be back. They'll throw the ball more, right? I don't actually necessarily know if they're going to throw the ball more. If you watch the struggles that they had on defense, it is very clear that the Giants need to slow down the pace of the game. And they can score a lot of points with that running back there, Barkley. And so I think that he's going to continue to have that amount of bulk and that amount of volume. Losing that amount, I don't think that's a fear. I don't think that's going to happen at all. Yeah, and I don't really on this when you look at standard scoring, PPR scoring. To me, it doesn't matter what league he's in. He maintains his value in both, okay? So you don't have to worry about that he maintains his PPR value see in my opinion he should be the overall number one pick in fantasy drafts next year hands down once again there's some things in the offseason we'll have to see how they shake out there the one concern I have a guy like him sometimes is character they come in the league they're very successful but right now this guy hasn't shown any character issues he's driven he works hard he's humble he's teachable he's coachable I love this guy and one last point we want to talk about his 91 reception so he's got a little stat here that all right, you know what's really fun, guys? I think one of the best ways to measure the success of a player is to kind of compare him to some of the other great players. And one of the things I loved this year was he had some really historic numbers. You know, an amazing year where he went out for over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. He was fantastic. Uh, but no number was more impressive to me than what he did in the receiving game. We mentioned it maybe a million times already in this video, but 91 receptions. Guys, you know how impressive that is? That's so impressive. That's actually seventh best in the NFL all time. And a lot of the guys who have beaten him in those numbers, guys like um, Christian McCaffrey last year, uh, or this last year, uh, he went out there, he had 107 or 108, broke the all-time record. He was fantastic. He went out his first year, I believe he had 80 or 82 receptions and then made that huge improvement. I think the sky's the limit, not necessarily saying that Barkley is going to break his record, but of course saying, you know, that he comes out this year, he's proven that he is an elite pass catcher along with some of these other guys. And then the thing that I find really impressive, when you look at some of these other names, they're really pass catching specialists. I mean, you talk about Christian McCaffrey, he proved himself this year to be a good runner, but he is still a guy who came in the NFL as a pass catching specialist. Matt Forte is another guy who was known for his elite ability in the passing game. And then there's a lot of other guys on this list of top 10 who you might not even recognize if it weren't for their ability to do things in the passing game. A guy like Brian Westbrook, Steven Jackson, I was a little bit surprised to see on here, of course, LaDamian Tomlinson. Uh, but this is really great, uh, really kind of a great area of guys to be in. Um, very elite numbers, of course, finishing at seventh. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a little bit better of a season next year and even crawled up that record list a little bit higher. Um, but you know what? I think it's about, been about 10 minutes talking about how amazing this guy is. So I think we should move on to our number two running back. 
All right, here we are, Dynasty running back number two. Why not go with Ezekiel Elliott? Now, I think some people are certainly going to disagree with us and say that this should probably be Todd Gurley. But I think we have some awesome arguments and pretty solid stats to prove that, you know what, this title has got to go to Ezekiel Elliott. Rob, you've done some fantastic research. Um, but even just from a basic perspective, over 1,400 rushing yards, 4.7 yards per carry, especially for a running back who's constantly facing eight-man boxes and loads of pressure, 37 avoided tackles. I mean, the stats go on and on. He helped carry that offense. I mean, with 71 first downs, he was the guy moving the chains in that offense, probably even more than Dak Prescott. He was very phenomenal this season. But let's get into a little bit more of the in-depth statistics. Yeah, so we talk about a dynasty back. He's only going to be 24 heading into next year. Still very young there. He's six foot two, twenty-eight, big physical. He's got the ideal size in the NFL. Now, some might ask, like you said, why Ezekiel over Todd Gurley? Ezekiel has only missed games in the NFL due to a suspension, right? And it looks like those off-the-field issues, he's put behind them. He's moved on. He's complied, stayed out of trouble, which is good. Every time he's on the field, he is productive. It's not the case with Gurley. His second year, Gurley struggled quite a bit. Now, I don't blame him. I think that's Coach Fisher. That whole team was a mess. Um, but he really struggled quite a bit with the 3.2 yards per carry. His production was down quite a bit. It hasn't mattered with Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, it doesn't matter. Dak Prescott struggles. He still produces. Their best wide receiver early last year before the Amari Cooper trade was Alan Hearns. Didn't matter. He produces. He has been productive ever since he stepped foot in the NFL. He led the NFL in rushing his rookie season 2016. And again, he led the NFL this year in rushing. That means two out of the first three years he's in the league, he was the rushing leader. But consider this, in his second season, when he was suspended for six games, okay? You look at his yards per game, his rushing yards per game average, that led the NFL, meaning had he not got suspended, he would be leading or he'd be an NFL leading rusher all three years he's been in the league. He's been extremely productive. It simply doesn't matter when he's on the field, he produces that. That's better than Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, you name it. He's averaged 101 rushing yards per game his entire career. He's averaged 131 total yards per game. That's better than any other back in the league for total yards per game. Uh, the other guy that you want to consider look at that number of 131 total yards per game is look at Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell in his career has had 129 total yards per game. Le'Veon Bell's 129 is better than guys like Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, Marshall Falk, you name it. And Ezekiel Elliott is better than him. I'm like, you put that number, that's crazy to consider. Before I get any further to like some of his improvements in the passing game, anything you want to add to that? No, certainly, guys. You want to know why he's able to face loaded boxes and have these unbelievable runners? It's because you can't tackle him one-on-one. -on -one. With 3.12 yards after contact on average, um, that is insane. When you compare that or you multiply that by his 304 carries, that is 949 yards after contact on the season. That's first in the NFL. Most running backs don't have 949 rushing yards, period. If you handed it to him on a nice platter, they couldn't get that many rushing yards. He's just a fear or a, a pure physical rusher, and he does a fantastic job on the ground. But much like some of the other guys we talked about on this list, Fantasy-wise, fantasy value, you've got to equate what they can do in the passing game into their value quite a bit. And, and he's a guy who's actually had some increased value last season. So, Rob, why don't you go through some of the stats of what he was able to do? Yeah, so this guy's improved as a uh, receiver in the NFL since he came in as a rookie. He had 32 catches. Second season, he had only 26, but that was with six less games. And then last year, he exploded with 77 catches there. His catch rate has improved from 2.13 catches per game as a rookie to 2.6 as a sophomore. And then last year, it exploded to 5.13 catches per game. This guy's got great hands. They've really developed a whole other part of his game now that's huge. The reason why I like this guy moving forward is the offensive line for Dallas Cowboys, as far as run blocking goes, probably the best in the NFL, and that's going to be consistent there. This guy's underrated. He runs with power. He can cut. He's got great vision. Um, this guy's been phenomenal. 
He's had the most, like you said, yards after contact of any back. It's just phenomenal what he's accomplished there. And I think what bodes really well from heading into next year, because teams teams will take notice, defenses will take notice, but one, Dak Prescott really got things on track late in that season. And Amari Cooper is going to open things up for him quite a bit there. I love this guy. Once again, you can look at Todd Gurley and you can think about these fancy numbers, but ultimately Ezekiel Elliott moving forward is one of the safest plays. Um, I love this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree going forward. Um, I don't know if I have anything. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to Elliot or no? Well, what I'd like to add, not to Elliot per se, but we want to hear your guys' comments. Yeah. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Think about our statistics. We want to hear who your top 20 is. Once again, love that feedback there. So, uh, no, nothing more to add about Ezekiel. Otherwise, this video is going to go on for hours. So. Yeah. Uh, as much as we'd love that, let's get moving and talk about Todd Gurley. All right, so here we are talking about Todd Gurley at number three. Of course, there are countless reasons that he should be here. You know, things like he took 256 carries for over 1,250 rushing yards. He was a phenomenal on-the-ground guy, of course. We'll talk about some of his work in the passing game, but I think he's a little bit underrated almost in his ability to run the ball. You talk about 17 rushing touchdowns. The production was absolutely there. In an NFL where constantly the ball is being thrown more and the passing game is the best way to move it, the one way to move the ball and get first downs and, and to score points. The one kind of place where that isn't true still, where that continues to not be the case, is the end zone, is the red zone. Is closer and closer you get to the goal, the, the less effective passing becomes, and that's where you need, uh, really, you need a good running back. And so you get this awesome mixture of the Rams being able to all those passing weapons and Todd Gurley able to just fly down the field. But once they get to the five-yard line, who are they relying upon? Every single time it's Todd Gurley, and of course he took that in for 17 touchdowns, giving him some massive fantasy value, especially in standard leagues. Yeah, Todd Gurley, a little more important. We talk about dynasty. So what about age? Well, he's going to be 25 heading into the 2019 season. Still got a lot of good years ahead of him. Six foot one, 225. He's got that big physical body, the prototypical size you want to see in the NFL. No, he did have some injuries coming out of college, and last year had some knee issues. But uh, Todd Gurley and the coaching staff have come out clearly and repeatedly said that his knee is fine, so we'll take him face value at that. You look at Gurley, like Elliott, and like Barkley, they have that body to be productive long-term physically. He's a true three-down back. I mean, he can be out there in third and one or third and 15, doesn't matter. He can do it all there. He had a career best, 4.9 yards per carry last year. That was very good. Now, if you look at four seasons in the NFL, I would toss out 2016 season when Fisher was the coach. I think you can throw that out. Um, that year, he faced a lot of eight-man boxes. 25.9% of the time, he faced eight-plus men in the box there, and that led to a horrible 3.2 yards per carry. But once again, I think that was Fisher. That team was a mess. There's a reason why he got fired that offseason. Um, in 2018, he only faces eight-man boxes 8.2% of the time. And that's a lot of credit to that offense. And McVay, who's came in, he's been creative. He's opened things up there, and he's seen less eight-man boxes. And, of course, it's equating more production there. Now, if you look at that one season, and you kind of toss that out, the other three seasons he had a yards per carry of 4.8, 8.4, that'd be something else, huh? Uh, 4.8 twice and 4.9 one time. And I think those numbers are normative. I think that's what we can expect from this guy. Once again, the 4.8, 4.9 in that range, his yards per carry is what you can come to expect. I think that offense is going to be high part. I like McVay. I like what he does. I think he's a very dynamic coach. Any thoughts on him, by the way? We'll move on. I, I kind of like his coaching, although he fell a little flat there uh, in the postseason. But I don't necessarily know if you played 
played flat, you go against the best coach of all time, you're going to struggle. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it and, is. And, you know, here's the thing. We talk about he played a little bit flat. They did struggle on offense. However, there were a few things that you have to know. Um, that running game struggled a little bit. They played one of the most underrated defenses in the NFL. And I was just impressed with McVay's ability to get that coaching, him and Coach Wade on that defense. That defense was very impressive in, in slowing down and stopping that Patriots offense. But, again, back to Gurley. What do we really think about Todd Gurley? I, I'm so impressed with what he's able to do on the ground, but also in that passing game. He, you know, when Jared Goff threw the ball his way, uh, he generated a passer rating of 110 when the ball was thrown his way. He was absolutely productive. Uh, his 17 rushing touchdowns plus his four receiving touchdowns puts him first in the NFL for touchdowns last season with 21 scores. I mean, I love some of the weapons. I love Cooper Cup. I love Brandon Cooks and Goff. He is still at the heart of that offense. And when he plays well, that offense plays well. But I think you wanted to mention something about Cooper Cup, didn't you? Yeah, I'm going to get to that shortly there. I, lo I love this guy. He can do it all. I like talking about his touchdowns last year. He had 19, and then this season he had 21. And that's really through 14 games. If you look at after week 12, it's pretty production drop there I think uh they want to keep him healthy for the playoffs there he could easily had he not been banged up if they need him could end up with 24 to 25 touchdowns do I have concerns for him um I do have some concerns the offense struggled a little bit down the stretch there and I do have concerns about his usage in the postseason I, I was a little concerned why they didn't use him more there I think a back like him I compare him to like Barry Sanders we talked about Adrian Peterson earlier you got to keep feeding these guys you know, whether they can get a bunch of carries, we can get two yards, three yards, one, four, two, maybe minus one. Uh, it's not impressive, but you keep feeding him because ultimately, boom, there comes the one where he takes it the distance. And so you got to keep feeding this guy. And I think what happens there is the more carries they get, they get stronger as the game goes on. The offensive line begins to impose their will on the defense. And uh, once again, defenders wear down there. So I was a little confused why McVay came out and said his knee was fine, but he didn't see more touches. So I'm just wondering there. I don't want to be that paranoid conspiracy theorist, but I wonder why he didn't have more touches. Is there something going on with his knee? Once again, I don't know. I think they're going to bring another running back in there like uh, like Anderson role this year to want to keep him fresh. So I do concern that they bring another back in there who's productive, who gets touches like C.J. Anderson did. Will that hurt his overall volume, his snaps, touches, etc.? Um, as far as that offense down the stretch there, the offense did struggle. And I think some of the issues that they had, I think we underestimate just how good Cooper Cup is and what a value is. I know you did something on our Instagram. You posted some statistics. You want to talk about Cooper Cup's impact on that offense? Yeah, absolutely. You can actually check out our Instagram and our Facebook. Posting on there, actually, lately we've been posting on there twice a day. I'd love to continue that trend. No more than less than once a day. But we're posting research that doesn't make it in the videos. And one of the things they did was Jared Goff's statistics with and without Cooper Cup. Because Cooper Cup made a huge impact on that offense that really wasn't seen by most people. In fact, Jared Goff's touchdowns per game dropped by almost half a touchdown per game without Cooper Cup. I mean, he is such a dynamic wide receiver who's able to open up that field. And I think we definitely saw uh, kind of his presence missing in the Super Bowl there for sure. But that's only going to continue to open up the field for Todd Gurley. Yeah, when they come back, that's going to help things quite a bit extra. I think uh, Cooper Cup is to Jared Goff what... Julian Edelman is to Tom Brady once again in that offense. So I think he's going to come back next year, and that's going to help things for the entire offense, especially for Todd Gurley. Once again, we love this guy. So anything else you want to add there? No, nothing else I want to add right there. Todd Gurley absolutely deserves this spot at number three. But I guess the question is, who is at number four? All right, here we come in at number four, and how can we not make it Alvin Kamara? He's probably the most efficient running back in the NFL. He finished with 14 rushing touchdowns last season, 
and really up there. I believe that was the second most rushing touchdowns on the season. And it's very funny because of all the guys we've talked about, he's had the least carries. In fact, he went out this year and only had 194 attempts, which is good, but it's not some of the elite amount of carries that some of these other guys are getting. Keep in mind, Elliott had over 300 attempts. Um, and yet he's still not there for 14 rushing touchdowns. I'll talk a little bit more about his efficiency in a minute. But first, Rob, I want to give you the opportunity. What do you want to say about Kamara? Well, first of all, this guy surprised everybody as a rookie season. At least he surprised most of us. He ended up third in running back scoring that year. Uh, what a great. I think heading into 2018, a lot of people thought that he would increase his production in points. Although his average draft position was tempered a little bit by the fact that Ingram is there. His average draft position going into 2018 was six months running backs. A lot of people would argue that he regressed. His rookie season, he ended up third in running back points in PPR leagues. And this year, he ended up fifth in points um, per game by running backs in PPR league scoring. He also saw a slip in production. The average per carry went from a rookie 6.1 down to 4.6 last year. Of course, 4.6 is still good, but that's a considerable drop there. He also saw a dip in yards after contact. He went from 3.57 yards after contact to 2.72 this year. So this guy saw a drop on a lot of things. What does the future hold for Alvin Kamara? That's a real thing. Okay, he still had a very good year last year, but what's the future hold for Alvin Kamara? And what should we expect of this guy? Well, some of it depends upon Ingram's status. I think Ingram leaving would be great for him. Uh, once again, hopefully he leaves via free agency. That would help quite a bit. They would have to lean on him more there. Now we actually um, predicted. If you went to our preseason notes and our videos, if you went to our site, we actually uh, predict a slight regression. I looked in our notes. Here's what I got from our notes from this season. What we said about this guy here. Um, hear me when I say this. The Saints aren't going to risk wearing down Kamara too much. They have playoff aspirations. They won't let him become a back that's averaging 20, 25 carries per game routinely. Ingram will be back for majority of the year. Four games is only 30% of the season that he's going to miss due to suspension. When he returns, Ingram will be well-rested and ready to give Kamara a break. He has a high ceiling, but Kamara is not a uh, three to four running back just yet. That's what we said. Um, in our preseason running back videos, we said this about him. If you want to go back, you can look at this. We said we expect similar numbers total-wise in his total yards that he has. Um, we see a drop in production in terms of yards per carry, but his overall numbers will be good as will be offset by more touchdowns and t uh, more touches and TDs. His total yards in 2017 was 1,554, and last year was 1,592. His yards per carry dipped, but he had more points in some areas and did well. He offset that production because he had more touchdowns, exactly what we said was going to happen. So I'm not all that surprised. Um, do you want to talk about his catches a little bit or anything you want to add as far as this game goes or some of those statistics we talked about there? Yeah, nothing so much on his catches. I want to talk about his efficiency. In fact, he led the NFL in touchdowns per opportunity. He was very efficient in being able to find the end zone. He finished the season with 18 total touchdowns, and that is not a fluke. That will continue on to next year. And you know why that's not a fluke? Because he had 71 red zone touches. That is receptions and carries combined. That is one of the best in the NFL, and that trend is going to continue. Um, guys, he is very efficient, and you know what the Saints, guys, they do not get enough credit for using him properly. I think in a lot of offenses, he would be absolutely wasted and used improperly, but they're using him perfectly, and I think it helps him almost. It almost helps him a little bit that Mark Ingram is there because he doesn't have to take a lot of those physical carries, something we know he couldn't do. With just 2.75 yards after contact on average, he's not a running back that's going to bulldoze. He's not a running back that's going to run guys over and break tackles. That's not what he's going to do, but they're going to use him efficiently in the passing game and the rushing game to get first downs and find the end zone. Yeah, this is where the guy's going to make his money in the future NFLs in the passing game there. He had 81 catches as a rookie. He had 81 his second year, although that was one less game. So in reality, he had more catches per game on average there. But why didn't he see a big bump in catches, let's say, a Christian McCaffrey had? Well, one, team's keyed on him more going into last year or going into this last year. 
And the other thing is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas became a stud. Michael Thomas increased his catches from 104 to 125. You look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton didn't have a stud wide receiver like Drew Brees had. And so I think what happened there, uh, it just made it a lot easier to spread the ball around for Drew Brees. Cam Newton couldn't do that. He went to his number one guy quite often there. Also, in 2018, the Saints didn't play from behind as often. Meaning that Kamara saw less defenses and pass protection. He saw more loaded boxes. In fact, he saw 22.6% of the times he was on the field and that he was running the ball, he saw loaded boxes in 2018, up from 16.67. So he saw more loaded boxes there. Once again, there was just some dynamics that trade. I think this guy was still very effective. He's going to continue to be productive there. He's so incredibly good in the passing game. I think what the Saints are going to do with this guy, they're going to keep his carries low, and he's going to just be very talented, and they're going to use him quite a bit in the passing, and that's where you're going to see that. I think him and Christian McCaffrey can have very similar careers when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. So anything you want to add to that, too? No, nothing I want to add. I think that about sums it up. He is really the end zone machine. All right, now we got to talk about Christian McCaffrey, and I think people are going to certainly be surprised that we put him in here on this list at number five. Some people might see that as a reach, but you know what? A lot of people didn't see the improvement that he made in the rushing game. I know, Rob, you're going to have a, a lot of opportunity later to talk about him in the passing game, but before we get to that, i got to talk about, really got to hit on the improvements that he has made on the ground. For starters, he ran for over 1,000 rushing yards. That seems to be something that's almost getting more and more rare every year in the NFL. Uh, to let you guys know only six of our top 20 dynasty running backs rushed for over a thousand rushing yards last season so that gives you kind of a good estimate that he is you know one of those top tier guys finished with 5.0 yards per carry he was very very productive and rob something we just talked about was his yards after contact that's a statistic that we have been using a ton lately to measure a running back's ability to get to, to get yards to get first downs and to be productive independent of his offensive line it's a very fair statistic to measure guys by he had 639 yards after contact this season that is 2.92 yards after contact on average almost a whole yard higher than his previous just 2.1 yards after contact made massive improvements and you know what that wasn't a fluke he did that because he put on weight and he became more of a sturdy back while not giving up his ability in the passing game rob what do you what else do you want to say about that yeah, so he's a guy that came to the NFL. Right away, he really wowed a lot of people. Every time he took the field in the preseason 2017, every time he took the field, reports coming out how amazing this guy is, how, how skilled, how gifted he was. Um, and then the regular season started. Now, once the regular season started, he did shine the passing game, but he really struggled to run the ball. He finished his rookie year with only 451 rushing yards at 3.7 yards per carry. That's not impressive at all. Um, like I said, he did have 80 catches and 651 receiving yards his rookie year. I think the biggest criticism or hit going into this last year was, does he have the size or ability to be a workhorse, and can he run between the tackles? Well, here's a few things to consider. Going back to his rookie season, the first eight games, he struggled to run the ball greatly. His yards per carry was 2.39. But then the last eight games are beginning to rise. So the last eight games, he had a yards per carry of 4.68, which is very solid there. So he's trending in the right direction going into last year there. He's a smaller back, 5'11", 205. That's not a lot of size in the NFL. One of the things, reports began to come in last year before that season started, that he put on about 20 pounds of muscle to help him withstand the wear and tear and take some of those big physical hits he needed to take as uh, an NFL running back, at least to take it to that next level and be an elite running back there. Well, it seemed to work out. He doubled his carries. He saw an increase in his production. His yards per carry went from 3.7 to 5. He ended up with how many rushing yards again? Uh, he finished over 1,000 rushing yards, I believe, 1,098. Yeah, and then he adds on to that 867 receiving yards and 13 TDs. Uh, once again, his yards after contact jumped, like you said, almost a whole yard. That's amazing. 
Um, and so this guy has made a lot of adjustments. Everybody, I think, knew he had great hands. He'd be prolific in the passing game, but could he run the ball? It appears he made that adjustment there. There. Um, anything you want to add before we just get into some other things regarding just the passing game? Uh, no, not too much. Of course, he finished with 1,956 all-purpose yards. Of course, 2,000 is really that mark of greatness. He came just shy of it. Um, so I guess too bad for him. But also, let's not remember that, you know, that what, 34 or 44 yards would really put him right there next to guys like Barkley who passed that number. Of course, we'll let you got to talk about that receptions record. What about 108 or 107 catches? Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, that was an amazing record there. The one thing that was good and bad is once he broke that record in the final game of the season, which is early in the first half, he sat the rest of the game. Had he not sat, he probably gets 2,000 all-purpose yards. But yeah, that's a rookie record. Not, I'm sorry, that's not a rookie record. That is a record. No, I got to expect that number's going to drop. I don't see him going 110, 120. It's simply not going to happen there. But I think he's a guy that year in and year out is going to get you 80, 90 receptions. He's so talented there. Now, he's a little bit small, even with the added size. So I envision a guy that's going to keep uh, – the team's going to keep his carries lower um, just to keep him healthy and to keep him effective in the passing game there. Um, I do think he has lower value in standard leagues, but this guy in PPR leagues um, could be his number two. It could be as high as number two in your running back rankings. I'm not saying I'm going to put him there, but I, I could see the argument for it in PPR mm -hmm. leagues. Once again, if you look at standard scoring, I would drop him down quite a bit. Um, I do see a decrease in catches. He just can't have 107 again, 108, 109, 110. Yeah. It's simply not going to happen. Teams will make an adjustment, plus those young, talented wide receivers will get some of the targets there. Although one thing that might help him get a few more catches is Cam Newton's injury. He's not going to be throwing it down the field as much. Maybe he checks down a lot trying to keep his shoulder intact, especially earlier on in the season. Um, we don't have enough time for me to really talk about this, but one thing to note is that when DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel will start to step up and become better wideouts, not only to help Cam Newton, but it actually helped Christian McCaffrey's statistics. Not a whole lot, but it definitely helped him minorly. Um, and so maybe I'll make a post about that coming up recently. I don't have time to really get into the nitty-gritty details of it. Um, but as those wideouts develop, I fully believe that that is going to boost McCaffrey's rushing ability even more. All right. Let's get to our next guy there. All right, here at number seven, we have Le'Veon Bell. Now, this was probably, of all the players, the toughest player to put in a ranking spot on this list. In fact, we had a very long conversation back and forth about really where should Le'Veon Bell go. Now, right now, we have him in that tier one because, and Rob, you're going to talk about the statistics. He has been absolutely insane throughout his career. However, he could very well drop to a tier two or a tier three running back based on where he goes. That's something I believe is very realistic. However, for right now, we have to expect he's going to be a tier one simply for the reason that he's a smart guy. He's going to go to an offense that's going to help him out. I don't think he'd be dumb enough to go to an offense where he's not going to be the starter. You know, I mean, he's a star and that's what he wants to be. Uh, but we'll talk about that a bit more. Really, one thing to watch this offseason, maybe the most exciting thing about this whole offseason is just waiting to see where Bell goes. But Rob, I think it's time for you to just hit this one out of the park. Tell us why he is here. Some of those crazy stats that you were sharing with me earlier. Yeah, like you said, his... his uh where he lands is going to determine his value, and that could fluctuate. I love Kareem Hahn. We'll talk about him later. And him going to Cleveland, to me, really hurt his value quite a bit there. But let's look at Le'Veon Bell. Um, in his career, he's averaged 5.03 catches per game. That's better than Marshall Falk and Larry Sanders, who are 1-2 and two all time for catches for running backs there. I think he's still young at 27, and his body has less wear and tear after sitting on the entire 2018 season. So uh, that might add a couple years at the end of his career on there. 
He's been averaging 129 total yards per game. Okay, you look at total yards per game, that 129 is phenomenal. We talked about it earlier, but that beats out greats like Marshall Falk, Ladanian Tomlinson, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, you name it. Those total yards per game are phenomenal. He doesn't have any deficiencies in his game. He's a true three down back. He'll get goal line carries. He uses in the passing game. This guy can easily handle seven to eight catches per game, but also get 20, uh, 25 or 30 carries per game. He can do that. And we've seen that in his career and he's been successful there. Now he has a career yards per carry of 3.2. That's not great. Now, if you look at the last season that he played, he had a yards per carry of 4.0, but I think a lot of that, he sat out the entire preseason, he was out of shape. In the first two games he played, he had a yards per carry of 3.2 and 3.2 as he's coming back and getting into shape. So that kind of hurts overall numbers. Then he also had a yards per carry as a rookie of 3.6. You toss that out, and the NBC you know, the in-between seasons, he had a yards per carry, 4.9, 4.7, and 4.9. I think that's a more accurate measurement of his talent there. He's had 42 touchdowns in 62 career games. His touchdowns per game average projects out to be 10.8 touchdowns per 16 games. That's pretty solid there. Um, he's not young anymore, but he's not old. I think, once again, where he lands will determine his value. Um, and he has had some injuries, but overall, I think this guy's got four to five great seasons left. Now, I know you kind of argue that he should be a tier two, and I'm okay that I get that. He's kind of on the bubble there. And then you want to add about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I know exactly. I absolutely think that he probably will be a tier one. One of the reasons I keep saying that, however, is really because of where he lands. It just makes me nervous about where he could end up going, especially as a guy who's chasing that money. Uh, we talk about Todd Gurley. We talked about him earlier. The, you know, His sophomore year when Fisher was the coach, he was absolutely awful. Because of the rest of that offense was awful, it wasn't really his fault. And so my fear a little bit is that this sort of thing is going to happen to Bell. I guess really the question decides is just going to end up being – where does he end up? If he ends up at a team that is even somewhat productive, he's going to be used well. He's going to have a fantastic, fantastic season. But again, um, we'll see how that ends up. I don't have too much to say on this guy. It's really hard for us to do the research on this and, and you know, kind of give you a lot of information on the guy who just didn't play the whole last season. Of course, that's good for his longevity, but certainly hurt his value. He probably missed, uh, you know, me what, $14 million plus in money because he decided to sit out a season. So what can you do there? Probably time to get on to our next guy, you think? Yeah, let's move on. All right, so now here we come to Melvin Gordon. He's actually the last player in our Tier 1. Something we haven't mentioned is that we're in the Tier 1 a lot. So in case you forgot, this is kind of the last guy. Everyone before this is a Tier 1 back. Um, and how can we not put Melvin Gordon in this list? Despite playing in only 12 games, he still had 885 rushing yards off of, a, I believe, a career-high 5.1 yards per carry. He had 10 rushing touchdowns. He was very, very productive. Um, in fact, one of the things that was most productive this season was actually his avoided tackles he forced 41 or he had 41 avoided tackles this season and did a fantastic job on the ground rob what do you have to say about melvin gordon yeah so you look at the first three years in the league he had what i would call consistent but not very excited exciting production there uh in fantasy terms is what we called a good volume play it really took the fourth season for him to break a thousand rushing yards i'm sorry his third season to break a thousand rushing yards there started off as a rookie year, he had 641 rushing yards a wolf of 3.5 yards per carry next season he had 997 rushing yards in 13 games and then he finally broke 1,000 with um, 1,105. Look at his yards per carry in 2016 to 17. It was 3.9, below what most GMs or coaches would like to see. Once again, that's a low yards per carry. Um, I think his overall yards per carry really overheard his value, and it kept him from being what we would call an elite back. But then last year, man, that changed. He had a 5.1 yards per carry. I think that ended up uh, in a lot of uh, concerns that people had there. 
Now, if you look at last year in fantasy points, he ended up six in average points per game. Now, those numbers did drop off after he came back with a knee injury, but if you look at through week 10 when he was healthy, he was actually third among running backs in average points per game. This guy was crushing it there. Uh, Todd Gurley's number one. I can't remember the number two guy was at that point, but he was killing it. Um, he had 14 touchdowns through 12 weeks. Now, if you look at the last three seasons, 41 games that he has played, he's got 38 touchdowns in 41 games. That's very good. That's double-digit touchdowns the last three years. But before I go any further, I want to get to where I've really seen an increase or how he's gotten productive in the passing game. Anything you want to add to his running game real quick there? No, nothing too much. He was pretty average in that yards after contact. Not below average, not above average. 2.83 yards after contact. That's about 500 yards. Um, of course, we talked about those first downs. Help move that change. Help move the offense down the field with 48 first downs this year. Um, but really, some of the notable things kind of come in that passing game as well. 50 receptions, slightly underrated. That is above average in the NFL. And he certainly does get a boost there, as you can see on the screen. 75.8% catching percentage. Something that was a real knock on him coming in. NFL he has absolutely developed that ability going forward and I think we can trust him as a solid PPR value play yeah he is this guy's improved his effectiveness in the passing game every year he's been in the league his catches starting from a rookie at 33 to 41 to 58 and last year 50 his catches per game average go from 2.36 catches per game to 3.15 to 3.63 and then last year 4.17 he's continually got better in that area there um, the concerns that I had with this guy is he saw less loaded boxes this year, yet at worst yards after contact. Yet he offset that. The fact that he had a ninth in what uh, we would call the elusive rate uh, among running backs, his ability to, uh, to evade runners and things like that. He did receive the number one overall grade from pro football folks as far as um, some analytics used to determine running backs this year. He got the number one there. I love it. He's still in his prime. He's only 26. And I like the fact he's got Rivers there. Hunter Henry's going to be back. Mike Williams is looking like this guy could be an all-pro wide receiver. And then, of course, you can't ignore Keenan Allen. It's going to make it very hard for defenses to fix on this guy. Um, what's not to like about Gordon at this point? Yeah, you know, there isn't much to like or dislike about Gordon at this point. I think the one thing, again, is that history. Um, Colin Calvert is a guy I love. I love his opinions. He doesn't always say the right thing or make the right prediction. But he does have some interesting viewpoints. And one of the things I like, he says, if you take away players' worst season and his best season, that's kind of the running back you get. And, you know, you always get a little bit nervous looking at a running back coming off of a career-high season. The question being, can he reproduce those numbers? I think he can mostly reproduce those numbers. I think he's going to have very similar numbers. I don't think he's going to go above and beyond that, but I think we're going to get very similar production. And of course, we're going to get that production boosted by playing the extra four games. So I like Melvin Gordon really finishing off this tier one running backs. All right, so now we've finished our tier one running backs. Guys, obviously, those are fantastic running backs, the best of the best, elite, amazing, whatever you want to call them. They're fantasy players who have huge value to your fantasy team, should be taken in the first round, and have pretty much no concerns. Of course, there's always concerns with every running back, especially from people like us who like to nitpick the death or to death these guys. really like to beat a dead horse on statistics that maybe don't always matter. But anyways, here we are at tier two. I just wanted to take a second to explain why we do this. Tier two guys have huge fantasy value. They're awesome options. We feel safe about them. So what's the difference between tier two and tier one? And that's usually one statistic, one thing that bumps them down. That might be that they are two or three touchdowns shy of elite status. Maybe it's 10 receptions away. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's 120 or, you know, 200 yards or whatever it might be, right? These guys are fantastic options and we're still very happy to have them in our starting lineup. However, there's one, maybe two things that keep them from being kind of in that elite range. So let's get to our first guy in this tier two. 
All right, and Joe Mixon. Now, you have been huge on Mixon since he came into the NFL. In fact, since he was a rookie, even before then. So, you know, I want to kind of pass this to you to start us off, Rob. Why is he our best of the Tier 2 running backs? So, first of all, let me start by saying I think this guy actually has Tier 1 talent, but I need to see him duplicate last year before we can begin to trust this guy because our Tier 1 are locks. You can put it's money in the bank, right? So I need to see another year from this guy. Um He's got good size, 6'1", 220. He's only going to be 23 next year. He's still very young there. A lot of experts coming out of the draft felt like this guy had first-round talent, but he slipped to the second round because of domestic abuse uh, issues that were going on in his life, some things in his past. Although it appears that those concerns are behind him. Sounds like his behavior has been good, his attitude has been good, and he's done a lot of things to really work through some of those issues that he had. Now, he had a disappointment in year one. He ended up with 626 rushing yards and 3.5 yards per carry. That was disappointing. But year two, he turned things around quickly there. Jared's per carry went from 3.5 to 4.9, you know, with 1,000 rushing yards. And three of the last four games, he had over 100 yards rushing. Now, um, I could get a little bit deeper there, but anything you want to add statistically to his rushing game there before we get farther into this? No, I don't have too much to add. Of course, 5.01 yards per carry, fantastic. Finished with over 1,100 rushing yards. That's one of the best in the NFL, of course. As we get further and further you know, into the future of the NFL, having 1,000 rushing yards seems to be more and more elite, almost more yeah. and more rare for whatever reason that is. He is productive. He is kind of the workhorse of that offense with 61 rushing first downs. He was the guy moving the chains. And that's not expected when for a lot of the season, Jeff Driscoll was your quarterback, and they had a lot of issues on that team. Notably, their offensive line as well. Uh, but let's not harp too much on the problems around him. Let's talk about some of the ways he impressed us. Yeah, okay. One of the things, he got stronger as the year went on. He averaged the last six games 97 rushing yards per game. You project that over 16 games. That would turn out to be 1,557 rushing yards. He increased his catches by 13. But his overall numbers don't tell the whole story. I love that you made uh, reference to Jeff Driscoll on that one there, right? So he put up really good numbers in spite of the fact that he lost the starting quarterback. Dalton went down. A.J. Green missed a lot of time. Boyd missed some time. The offensive line was improved from the year before, but not great. And because they lacked so many stars, so many guys were hurt, he saw stacked boxes the fourth most time in the NFL. He was facing a stacked box all the time. Didn't matter. This guy crushed it last year there. Um, and so we can give you numbers. Obviously, what he did last year was phenomenal. I think it would really beg the question, okay, so why did he struggle year one? Like I've answered this question, like, okay, what's going on there? Well, a couple things there. If you go back to his rookie season 2017, his yards per carry was low at 3.5, but the last, look at the last four games, his yards per carry ballooned to 5.01, so he's really starting to trend the right direction at the end of his rookie season there. And really, I think his struggles were not his own. I think it was the offensive, uh, the whole team struggled there. They let go of the offensive coordinator, the offensive line ranked by Pro Football Focus 28th in his rookie season. Uh, they struggled quite a bit, so they made a lot of moves in the offseason to improve that offensive line to get better. They had a metric out there, a metric, what do you want to call it, um, in 2017, where it said Mixon had a 1.54 yards created per carry. That's a player profile metric that they use to measure how many yards a running back creates after evading the first tackle. He ranked 13th in the NFL among all backs. So even though his stats look bad as a rookie year, if you get a little bit deeper, you find out that he actually wasn't that bad, and the struggles he had wasn't his fault there. He had logged a 80... 88.2% um, of catch rate as a rookie, and he had 9.6 yards per reception. And then last year, his yards after contact improved considerably there. So there's just so many things that you look at there. I love this guy. I think this kid's legitimate, and he's just young at 23. 
So anything you want to add to Joe Mixon? Yeah, one thing to add, as far as a fantasy perspective goes, uh, if you're playing in a Yahoo or an ESPN or any of those major fantasy sites, you get bonuses when your player goes over 100 yards in a game. That is very important to note. You usually, I believe in our league, it's a three-point bonus. That's huge for a guy like Joe Mixon, who averaged 104.5 all-purpose yards per game. Or excuse me, not all-purpose. That would be combined rushing and receiving. I think all-purpose includes returning statistics. Yeah, yeah, but total yards, yeah. Total yards, excuse me. Um, 104.5 total yards per game and that's good news that means more often than not he's going to get you that three point bonus of course such or whatever that bonus is for your league just something interesting to notice i maybe not the most important statistic but i did kind of catch my eye a little bit and appreciate a guy who can on average get you that sort of bonus get you over 100 yards i'm excited to see what joe mixon can do going forward um especially if dalton is healthy and he plays a little bit better and they accrue include the and kind of improve that offensive line one thing to note is that according to pro football focus the cincinnati Bengals had one of the worst offensive lines in the nfl and so if they can get some help there on that line he can be one of the best running backs in the nfl for sure all right all right, let's talk about Sony Michelle. He had a fantastic season. And, you know, when he first came out, he was kind of, well, there's a lot of running backs coming out and Barkley and a lot of other big names. And I think he almost went a little bit underrated. But what do we think about Barkley? Why is he coming at this position? Yeah, first of all, I want to say I was really surprised that the Patriots drafted a running back in the first round. You have to go all the way back to 2006 when they drafted Lawrence Maroney. Um, they drafted him 31st. And I think a lot of people assume that the Patriots would finally have a running back that the fantasy world could trust week in and week out, kind of harkening back to the days of Corey Dillon. And they would really lean on this guy quite a bit there as Tom Brady was getting older and they want to pass less. Well, he didn't start strong this year. He dealt with some injuries in the preseason, some knee injuries, things like that. His first two games were not impressive. His yards per carry 3.5, right? But then he began to take off. His next three games, he averaged 105 rushing yards per game at a 4.72 yards per carry. This guy looked like he was on track to have a great year. Boom, then he had knee injury. Knee swells up. He misses some time. Um, finally comes back after about five or six weeks there. Uh, then it looks like he's fully healthy. He starts to run well again. He finished the regular season with how many rushing yards did he have? And what was his yards per carry? He finished with 931 rushing yards, which again is extremely impressive when you consider the fact that he was not the main back all season. It took him a while. And of course, 4.5 yards per carry is very impressive as well. Yeah, so I look at those numbers. They're not spectacular, but they're very solid there. And he really showed signs in the regular season that he could become the back that the Patriots drafted him to be there for years to come, their franchise back. But it really wasn't until the postseason that this guy really began to show how talented he can be there, right? His rushing totals in the postseason against some tough competition where he had one game 129 yards rushing, 113 and 94. A total of 336 rushing yards in three games with a 4.73 yards per carry. And he found the end zone six times in the postseason. This guy was a stud. Now, some would point to the lower yards after contact uh, as a concern there. I know if you want to comment on that a little bit. But uh, he did have lower yards after contact. But he also saw eight-man boxes 26% of the time, meaning when he was on the field, defenses would tend to load the box when Sonny Michel was out there. He saw extra linebackers and linemen in there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Here's guys, I understand a low yards after contact. That's something we've been talking about a lot. We love that statistic. However, in this one case, it doesn't concern us as much with other guys because of the type of carries he's getting. He's getting a lot of physical goal line carries as well as a lot of first down carries. He is absolutely, we talk about a guy who can move the chains. That I mean, the Patriots are situational football. They're going to get one first down at a time till all of a sudden they've scored on you and you don't know how. That's the way they run their offense. And you know what? One eighth of his 209 carries went for first, or excuse me, one fourth. A quarter of all of his carries went for first downs. 
He was very effective and they used him in situations where they needed, like they trusted him in big third down carries. They trusted him on the important downs and he went for 54 first downs. I mean, the production is absolutely there from this guy. Again, that low yards after contact is because of the type of carries he's getting. So that is one thing to note going forward. A bit of a bruising running back almost seems to be how they want to use him. Yeah, I think it's one thing to break a tackle if you're a running back and you break an arm tackle by a linebacker who's pedaling back into coverage because he thinks it's a passing down and it's uh, defense is spread out into draw play versus breaking a tackle when uh, it's third and one and everybody's up in the box are totally different. You got to look at some of those there. Uh, also, he was impressed in the fact he had 36 carries where he had over 10 yards um, more on per carry. That's third in the NFL behind only Gurley and Elliott. I think with Tom Brady aging, I, I think that team's going to look to increase the running game more. I think that's going to bode very well for him. Um, I think that he's not a liability in the passing game, but with players there like James White and Rex Burkett and others, I think he's going to keep his value in PPR leagues a little bit lower there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He's a guy with that real standard league boost, but kind of a bit devalued in PPR leagues. However, to me, he has, like I said, he has set himself apart. I think he's the best running back in that offense. And I think the Patriots have kind of quietly stated that by giving him those important carries. And of course, six touchdowns in the playoffs. You know who was really the first guy to have a huge playoff and then take off of them the next season? One of the examples, at least that I can think of for the Patriots, was James White. He wasn't really a big part of that offense. He had a huge playoffs for them and then the next season became a massive part of that offense and that's something we could see Michelle do as well this season all right should we move on to the next guy yeah all right so what about David Johnson man David Johnson is a few years removed from being the best fantasy running back in the NFL and then now kind of wondering what's happening with him the rest of that offense is struggling why is David Johnson here yeah okay David Johnson should be higher honestly I load him not have anything to do with David Johnson's talent, but because Rosen and that offense hold him back at this point. Uh, they need to make some huge improvements. That offense was brutal last year. They're last in the NFL, averaging 14.1 points per game there. Um, I think the offense is going to improve, but you can't cut your chicks before they hatch. We just need to see how the cars are going to respond in the offseason, what they're going to do before we can trust David Johnson more than where we have him right now in our rankings. Once again, I love this guy. He's very talented, but uh, right now, if you're playing the Cardinals, you know what your game plan is if you're defensive coordinator, which is? You're just going to stop David Johnson. Yeah, David Johnson put pressure on Rosen and make him make throws. Um, we'll see where they respond to that there. Now, offensive, court, or, uh, offensive lines coach Sean Kugler has come out for the Cardinals and said they expect him to be a big part of their offense next year. Well, that's kind of common sense. Everybody knows that. Um, I think a lot of owners were disappointed last year because of some of the things that had happened. But even in spite of the fact that his numbers were down, his yards per carry were down, some of those numbers were down, he still finished in PPR League's ninth in scoring among running backs. By volume alone, he's always going to be solid. His yards per carry may be down, but he's going to get fed the ball quite often. In fact, this guy has a nose for the end zone. In 49 career games, he's had 42 touchdowns. Uh, even this year, he had decent numbers there. That's 13.7 touchdowns over 16 games. That's wonderful. He's a great all-purpose back. In his career, he's averaged 56 catches um, over 16 games. He's extremely good there. And so uh, I love this guy. Now, he had a lower yards per carry last three seasons. That's a little bit concerning, but primarily due to the fact that offensive line is a mess and the quarterback play has to improve. Once again, I like this guy. My biggest red flags with him are not him, but the overall offense. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, there are a few things to add. He had 3.6 yards per carry, which would you know a lot of people would look at that kind of shallowly and say he just wasn't producing. That comes down to his offensive line. In fact, 
two-thirds of his 940 rushing yards came after contact. Two-thirds of them. He earned his yards maybe more than any other running back in the NFL. The only other running back that I can think had such a difficult workload was maybe Ezekiel Elliott. It was probably him. Um, but he was very productive. 304 touches, took, the, uh, took those, and really used them as best as he could. In fact, you talk about that quarterback situation being brutal. It makes it even more impressive that when he was targeted, he generated a passer rating of 90.5. I mean, if that team was made up of five different receivers named David Johnson, that would have actually had a very fantastic season. Um, but he really absolutely 100%, no doubt in my mind, made the best of what he had. The question we ask going forward again is can... Can his offense make some improvements to help him out? Can that offensive line get better? Will that quarterback play get better? I think it will. The question is, of course, how much? Uh, and again, like you said, finishing number nine in PPR leagues, I think this number 10 spot fits him beautifully. All right. All right, so now we got to talk about James Conner. He was a real surprise for people in the NFL. In fact, I remember even a lot of people at the beginning of the season when Le'Veon Bell was holding out, people saying, don't draft James Conner as early as you're drafting him. Le'Veon Bell will play. Don't worry about it. And then James Conner becomes the back. And man, he surprised some people and really turned some leagues upside down. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there were a lot of teams winning championships because they capitalized on this James Conner situation. Yeah, I handcuffed him in a dynasty league. I had two leagues where I had Le'Veon Bell. It worked out great for me. James Conner's got uh, great size, power, good hands. Uh, he really killed it while filling in for Le'Veon Bell. But a lot of owners early in the year thought, okay, yeah, maybe a week or two, but Bell's going to eventually come back. He didn't. Um, all year and being James Conner's team there. He's got great size, 6'1", 233. He's only going to be 24 next year. So he's got that great size of power, hands, things. He can do it all there. In 13 games, uh, want to give us some of his numbers there? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about guys. 974 rushing yards on 4.5 yards per carry and 12 rushing touchdowns is impressive, not to mention over 600 yards after contact. 56 first downs, 37 avoided tackles. He was just an absolute ground horse in the running game, pushing that offense along. But he also was a little bit underrated in the passing game. It surprised even me because I can't remember any statistics. Sometimes I go through it and I'm researching and I get surprised. 55 receptions. I don't know if he's going to have 55 again because of some of the emergence of some of those other guys on, like Jalen Samuels. Uh, but yeah, the production is there and he earned this spot. And he earned the spot on that team as the number one running back. That is no doubt in my mind. Yeah, yeah, you know, going on with the 55 catches, he had 497 receiving yards. He had 13 touchdowns. This guy was great last year. 13 touchdowns and 13 games there. He had a total yards per game average of 113. So this guy was very, very solid there. Now, if we go back to his rookie season, he had insignificant amount of touches his rookie season to really make any comparisons. Although, if you want to make a comparison, his yards per carry 4.55 was the exact same he had as a rookie. Uh, yards out for contact was 2.85. Um, that's solid. It's not great, but it's decent. It's better than his rookie season. Um, he was 11th in terms of how many times he saw loaded boxes, but that's going to lessen, I think, next year. And here's why I think you see less loaded boxes. Um, he's shown he's got solid hands, which means now he's shown he has the ability to get out into coverage. That's going to keep linebackers and defenses honest. You see it a lot, for example, Todd Gurley. Now, if you can get out there, often that will loosen things up. He was 11th among backs as far as the elusive rate goes there. Uh, concerns I have for this guy, you mentioned Samuels. Samuels look good too. Uh, the other concerns I have for him, you look at Samuels, Bell, or back in the day, D'Angelo Williams a couple years ago. Every back in this offense produces, which tells me that a lot of the success they've had is due to scheme and the offensive line. I still think he's a very good back there, but most importantly, he's in a great system. Mm -hmm. So. 
Absolutely. Absolutely important to note, guys. He had 55 catches, but with Jalen Samuels coming in next season, I cannot state enough that he's probably going to drop five or six spots in the PPR league compared to a standard league because that's what he does. I mean, he had 13 touchdowns. Only one of those was in the passing game. And so that's, again, not a knock on his player. As a dynasty player, future going forward, we'd love this guy. But again, know your league and know your scoring. Guys, I think we've talked about him enough. Let's move on to the next guy on this list. All right, guys, here we are now. That was our tier two. And again, those were the guys that were very good, but were just shy of being tier one elite players. And now we come into tier three. Tier three players are guys who are very talented, who have shown themselves to be very athletic, who have shown themselves to maybe even be good scheme fits, but have issues. Maybe guys like we're going to talk about here soon, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, guys who maybe are some of the best running backs in the NFL, but are stuck in running back by committee systems or have things that hold them back that we expect will continue to hold them back a bit not hold them back to the point where they're not going to crack starting fantasy lineups but again we'll hold them back to the point where we just can't put them with those other guys but again we're not going to harp on this too much you'll know what we mean as we get to those players individually so let's talk about our first guy in the tier three range now, I absolutely think this pick of all the picks is probably going to be the most hated. You know why? I think a lot of people are going to see Nick Chubb as the backup running back to Kareem Hunt. But I think that you and I both disagree that I think Chubb, while it will be quite a bit of split carries there, I think we like Chubb a bit more. Is that not? Am I not mistaken in saying that? Well, we're going to get to Kareem Hunt in a little bit here. You're going to talk about him eventually. Um, one, I love Kareem Hunt and I love Nick Chubb. I was so disappointed when Kareem Hunt signed with the Bears because I think that hurts both of their values. But I'll talk about Nick Chubb. I think people don't realize just how good he was this year. This guy was phenomenal. Now, the concern I have is Kareem Hunt going there. Hunt is a very talented back. He's going to get snaps, and Hunt is a better three-down back there, although he's looking at suspension. Nick Chubb's going to be 23 next season. Now, once they trade away um, Hyde, he didn't look back. This guy took off. Now, the first couple games, he had 173 yards rushing, but the next 10, 823 rushing yards. Do you want to give his total yards for the year and some breakdown there in the rushing game? Yeah, absolutely. He took 192 carries for 996 yards. That's 5.52 yards per carry. One of the best in the NFL. Man, that was super efficient, but I cannot ignore the yards after contact far better. That was insane. In fact, he had 858 yards after contact. That's an average of 4.47 yards after contact. He crushed it compared to every other back. I mean, this the, guy crushed it. The next best running back on qualifying or next best qualifying running back on yards after contact is less than a yard away. Is like 3.5, whatever, like just not even close. Is like a whole yard away. He's maybe the most physically uh, running back, best as far as their ability to just push through guys and keep moving. I was shocked. Some other randomly small statistics that are awesome. Things like 92-yard carry had that season shows he can go for these huge plays. He, I believe, second best in the NFL, I believe. I could be mistaken, but 44 avoided tackles. Stat after stat after stat, Nick Chubb proved himself to be elite, and he'd be a Tier 1 guy if it weren't for Kareem Hunt. Like, I'm just saying that. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, for me, I'd like to see a second year. I'm more conservative than you, but this guy's got so much talent. We had him ranked higher, and then after the trade, we had to bump him down. Uh, once again, I was so disappointed. You talked about his yards after contact. This guy's big, physical, 227-pound bruiser. He's a great one-cut back there. But it's not that he was breaking tackles facing a safety or cornerback. This guy faced the fourth most loaded boxes of any running back in the NFL. So this guy's breaking tackles against linemen, linebackers, things like that there. He saw loaded boxes, 34.3%. 8% of the time. 
fourth most behind Blunt, Freeman, and Leonard Fournette, which all those guys with that many loaded boxes, they all struggled. Not him. It didn't matter. He was so effective. Uh, his last 10 games, he averaged 82 rushing yards per game, three times over 100. Um, if I have a deficiency with his game, it would be the fact that he probably needs to work on the passing game a little bit. Probably not a true three down back, at least not yet, especially with Kareem Hunt there. Um, but this guy was so good. <coughs> yeah, absolutely. As far as you talk about his deficiency, I believe he finished with less than 200 receiving yards. And that right there is his Achilles heel. We're going to talk about it more when we get to Kareem Hunt. But honestly, the roles I see I'm expecting will be Nick Chubb as the physical down, the first down back. And really the third down guy to come on the field is going to be Hunt. I mean, for sure, no matter how this shakes out, whatever happens, the third down guy will be Hunt because that is ultimately his biggest issue right there is for Nick Chubb. Although one thing that benefits him is that almost all running backs, we've done a lot of research on these other guys, almost every running back in the last five years has made an improvement in the passing game from year one to year two. That's because college football doesn't train these running backs for the roles they're going to have in the passing game. So going to next year, I'm sure defenses will take notes and look at this guy. But one thing has boned very well for him is rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield had such a great rookie season. So I think that's going to help counteract some of that there. Um, this guy was phenomenal. And we talked about um, pro football focus talks about elusive rating here a little bit. And uh, here's what that is. If we talk about that, it talks about. Um, it really distills the success and impact of a runner with the ball independently of blocking in front of him by looking at how um, hard he was to bring down. So they take a look at missed tackles, force, and yards after contact per attempt. Once again, this guy crushed it. He was so good this year. Uh, I love Nick Chubb. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that's about it for Nick Chubb. Of course, his value, a lot of it comes based on context. So we'll, you'll get a little bit more clarity when we get to hunt. All right, so now we come to number 13, and that's Dalvin Cook. Now, this is kind of a weird one for us to talk about. Of all the players on this list, he's the guy who, I think of all of them, besides Bell, of course, played the least last year. And so looking at some of these statistics, they are really skewed by simply not having a big enough sample size. That's one thing we're going to discuss. Um, but, Rob, what do you think of Dalvin Cook? I, I think one thing is, is, as Vikings fan, we've just been waiting and waiting for him to stay healthy. And kind of of that promise and that potential being when he's finally healthy, his production will be good. His efficiency will carry him, and he'll have a great season. So he's not a guy, I think, that has first-round talent. I think he's very good, but injuries have really lowered his value. It's hard to trust. Me, 24 next season, still pretty young. 5'11", 210 pounds, pretty good there. You look at his rookie year. He was explosive before his injury. He finished with a yards per carry of 4.8 as rookie year. But three of the four games he played in, he had yards per carry of 5.6. He looked great there. So he comes back from off-season surgery. In the first six games, he really started slow. He had 65 carries, 228 rushing yards, or 3.5 yards per carry. But he had stronger. If you look at the last five games... He had 68 carries for 387 yards, a 5.69 yards per carry. Uh, that changed. Anything you want to add to that before we get deeper into some other things? Here? No, yeah, he was extremely productive. One of the things I want to talk about is that elusive rating. Uh, you got to talk about that 81.9 elusive rating. That's kind of an in-depth stat. If you don't know what that means, uh, I can definitely drop something down in the description or ask a question, and we'll kind of explain it to you a little bit more. Uh, but he was very effective. I think one carry, I hate to look at one carry that really tells you what a running back can be, but what about his long his longest carry of the season was a 70 yard carry and that's really Dalvin Cook's ability there he is not a bruiser he's not between the guards he's not that tight physical runner but he's a guy who's going to go outside he's going to take sweeps he's going to take edge runs and you know what he's fast he's going to make some big explosive plays that's where a lot of his fantasy value is going to come from and so I think if he can stay healthy he can really increase his volume of those big plays and have a lot of value and then finally the last thing I want to say before you can kind of finish this off with this is the huge huge 
boost that he's going to get from Latavius Murray probably leaving this offseason. Definitely seems maybe 80, 90% certain Latavius Murray is going to leave. And that's huge. In 2016 and 2017 combined, no one scored more rushing touchdowns except Elliott than Murray. Murray had, I believe, 20 or 22 rushing touchdowns in those two years. That right there is a lot of production and a lot of scores that's got to go to somewhere. Going to go to probably Dalvin Cook. Yeah, no, he's moving. I think nothing's going to help him. Is deep Filippo. They moved on from his offensive coordinator. When he was the offensive coordinator, that offense struggled to run the ball. When they moved on, that running game picked up quite a bit. He had 40 catches last season. Um, his catch rate went from uh, 2.75 as a rookie to 3.63, so he improved in that area. That's huge. His yards after contact improved from 2.65 to 3.02 last season. He improved in that area there. Um, he has all the skill to be a three-down back. He's explosive. I think he can be an all-pro if he can stay healthy. Another thing I like for this guy, he's got a good supporting cast with Cousins, Thielen, Diggs. I think it's going to make it hard for defenses to focus on him. You're right. Everything looks like Murray has come out and said Latavius Murray wants to be a starting back for another team out there, so I think he's going to move on there. And he talked about you talked about his elusive rating. I actually left him six months amongst running backs as far as ability to elude tackles there. That was pretty good. Um, concerns? Going back, we've already said it, injuries, his ability to stay healthy. That was his biggest knock coming out of college is can this guy stay healthy there. Also, the Vikings need to improve the offensive line. They're going to try really hard to do that in the offseason here. There's one concern there. The Vikings are cap-strapped. So that's our take on it, but we do like him, but he's got a lot of question marks too. Anything else? No, I think that about sums it up. Let's move on to our next guy. This is already being... All right, let's talk about Marlon Mack. He has absolutely secured himself a spot on this list based on his efficiency, his effectiveness, but also his volume. 529 snaps he spent as the running back in that backfield. That is one of the best um, kind of controls of any position in the NFL. We look talk about constantly running back by committee. Running back by committee is a problem. That's not a problem for Marlon Mack. He seems to have secured himself as that lead role and been actually fairly effective. And man, I loved what he was able to do in the playoffs. But Rob, what do you think about Marlon Mack? Okay, so uh, Marlon Mack, you know, I had a lot of question marks about him going into this year. He's six foot two ten. Not a big back, not small, but you know, can he handle that wear and tear? He's going to be twenty three going into next year. And I think a lot of people, not just myself, had a concern about his size. Now in his rookie season, he excelled in the passing game. He showed he could be elusive. Um, good in space, but a lot of people wonder, can he take the pounding and ramping the tackles? Can he break tackles? Well, one, his 3.0 yards after contact were, I think, were really good right now, 20th in the NFL. So his yards after contact were pretty solid. But some of the guys that were ahead of him were very one-dimensional backs like LeGarrette Blunt. and others like that. So if you take that out of there and you consider the fact he's a three-down back, I think a 3.0 yards after contact is pretty solid. Anything you want to add to that? No, I completely agree. That that has been the question, and I totally understand that, but I think you really debunked that as a problem. On 195 carries, he went for 908 yards, of course. If he had gotten some of the workloads of some of those other 1,000-yard rushing running backs, he would have easily been a 1,000-yard rushing running backs. Heck, 4.47 yards per carry was very effective. Found the end zone nine times. Again, we talk about how physical those red zone carries are if you want to measure how physical a running back can be measure his production in the red zone those nine rushing touchdowns to me and of course those yards per carry says he can absolutely handle it for me that's not a concern of course i think he finished with 554 yards after contact or, or what was it but um yeah the production's been there 50 first downs again we talk about a running back and their fantasy value is largely dependent on does that offense, does the coaching staff and the quarterback trust him to be the guy to make the key plays to make the first downs and to find the end zone? And with 50 first downs, nine rushing touchdowns, Marlon Mack is a guy that Andrew Luck completely trusts to get him the ball. 
Yeah, you know, he faced a loaded box at 23% of the time last year's yards, but Kerry still jumped up from a 3.8 to round up to a 4.7 there. He did miss some time due to injuries, uh, only playing 12 games, but he had good numbers like you had mentioned. This guy's actually got very good hands, although this year he saw a decrease use in the passing game, not because he's a problem, but because they have another guy that's very good in the passing game, Naheem Hines, who's very good running back in the passing game there. Um, going into next year and any many years after that, this offense is going to be top 10 in the NFL. you got Andrew Luck, who's healthy. The offensive line's improved. you got T.Y. Hill and Ebron, other guys there. So uh, I really love the situation he's in. I think he's very solid. I like this guy. All right, now it's time to talk about Kerryon Johnson. Guys, Kerryon is one of the most exciting young running backs in the NFL. There is no arguing that. In fact, you almost have to feel bad that he plays for the Lions. All right, well, I just made a bunch of people mad. Let's move on and pretend I didn't say that. But let's talk about some of those crazy efficient numbers. Now, he only went for 641 rushing yards. Guys, he was injured some of the season. He played with a bad offensive line. There were countless reasons that he just didn't have larger numbers. But I think, I guess, the question is, what are some of his statistics that show us and prove to us that when he comes into the season healthy with a full season of carries and receptions and targets and time on the field, that he is going to be one of the best running backs, one of the top 20 running backs in the NFL this year and going forward for many years. Yeah, I love this kid. He's going to be 22 next year, but we're not the only ones that love this kid. LaDainian Thomason came out and said, I think they have a young kid in Kerryon Johnson. I really like He's going to be a stud in this league. A lot of people like this guy. Uh, he is small at 5'11", 206, but size didn't really hinder him. He ran tough this year. In fact, do you have on his yards after contact there? Yeah, 3.32 yards after contact. Um, that was one of the best in the NFL. That's better than guys like Ezekiel Elliott or even Todd Gurley. You can't argue with the effectiveness there. What about his passer rating generated when Matthew Stafford threw the ball his way he generated a pass rating of 99.7 i mean this guy he's turning uh, silver into gold right now every time he gets the ball it's huge plays he had a nice 71 yard carry uh, 5.4 yards per carry i mean stat after stat after stat efficiency wise he's gotten the job done and i have no concerns with his ability to produce from that aspect yeah, this guy had an impressive 5.5 yards per carry. He had 32 catches. Now, they did shut him down later in the season. He could have came back and played if they need him to, but why take a chance? They're out of the playoffs, so they just said, you know what, Let's just rest this kid. Uh, I love them. There's so many things I like about this guy. Um, not only he run the ball effectively, but this guy is very effective in the passing game. You look at two of the last four games that he played. He had one game where he had six receptions, 69 yards. Another game, six receptions, 38 yards. So uh, he's great in the passing game there. He averaged better than five yards per carry in six of 10 games. Only one game was yards per carry under three. So he's very consistent and, like you said, a very mediocre offense at best. Um, one thing I like about him is talking to the media as they're packing up, getting ready to go to the offseason. I want to hear this guy's attitude. Does look at the year for like, okay, I had a good year. I was productive. That's fine. Here's the statement he made. I need to train harder. Obviously, what I did in the past offseason wasn't enough. I've got to do more. Um, I've got to come here, prepare for the combine, and do a lot of things. Um, ready. Not prepare for the combine, sorry. Um, come in for the regular season there. So I love they had a good season, but this guy's prepared to go in the offseason, put in the hard work and effort he needs to get to that next level. He's very young. I love this kid. Absolutely. Nothing more um, impressive than a young running back who's self-depreciating on his work ethic. Uh, but really a guy who says that he's going to go forward and work harder and has that sort of attitude after having a good season for what he was given. That's a huge sign. But guys, I don't think we have any more time to talk about him. Who's the next guy? And here we come to Damian Williams. Now, he was an absolute free agency steal. Once Kareem Hunt left, Damian Williams really stepped in and had a huge role and really made the most of his role in that offense. So let's talk about some of the statistics that impressed us most and what we think he's going to do going forward next year. 
Yeah, one, it's a dynasty video. It's really hard to talk about a guy that's 27 next season. Um, but I, he, he's not young, but he's still young enough to have some great seasons. He started to feel an awful like like Priest Holmes, whose career took off at the age of 28 when he went to the Chiefs. you got to look at him up. If you don't know who Priest Holmes is, check the guy out. He had a phenomenal career. So one of the things I love in this offense, and you got Pat Mahomes, you got to be able to catch the ball in the backfield. He was number one in catch percentage run running among running backs. He caught 95.8% of the throws his way. That was better than like Christian McCaffrey. This guy was great. He has great hands. They've already signed him to a two-year deal. Looks like they've locked him down going into next year. Mm -hmm. There are three things that excite me about him most I like to save time. One is that they signed him to a contract when they were still playing for a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is huge. A lot of teams would say, we're not worried about next season. We're playing for a Super Bowl. We're going to be focused. No, they said, we love this guy. We're going to reward him for his play. That's one that I really like about him. Two is that 5.1 yards per or yards per carry. That is absolutely huge. And then you talked about... Pat Mahomes is the key to that offense. They're going to keep throwing the ball. The passing game is the heart of what they do as a team. And you talked about that leading all running backs and receiving percentage, uh, catching percentage, excuse me. He did not just lead them in catching percentage. He also had one of the best um, passer rating generated. So when the ball was thrown his way, he generated one of the highest pass ratings in the NFL of 129.3. That is absolutely massive. He's not just catching the ball. He's actually doing something with it when he gets the ball in the passing game. you got to love Damian Williams. I don't see how he is ever going to find himself not in the top 20. Yeah, I like this guy. He's got good size, 5'11", 224. You look at the last four games, he's really remarkable. During that time, uh, twice going over 100 yards rushing. He also had five touchdowns. He had a tremendous 5.63 yards per carry during that stretch. Um, in three of those four games, he faced solid defenses. Three of the four teams he faced on the stretch there, those defenses were top 10 in run defense there. Um, he had 19 catches, 144 receiving yards. I think it's compelling that late in the season when they're trying to lock up a bye in the playoffs and where could have came back, they kind of sat him and went with Williams. They got a lot of confidence in this guy. The offensive line came out. Um, guys that play with him talked about how great he is, the energy he brings. He's got some juice. He can break tackles. He's great in space. He's a complete player. Also, defenses that faced him talked about how difficult it is to cover. He's great in pass protection, which is so important. You're going to protect Pat Mahomes, your franchise quarterback. And this guy's got great ratings in terms of his ability to protect the quarterback and the block there. Once again, he's great. Um, there's so much about him that I love, but the biggest thing I love about him is the offense that he's in. His ceiling is high. You look at Kareem Hunt in that offense. He finished eighth and fourth in average points per game while playing in that Kansas City offense. Now he's going to take that role there. His last six games, okay, his last six games, he had 10 touchdowns and 28 catches. That's 4.67 per game. You project that over 16 games, that's 75 catches. Once again, we could get into a lot of stats, but I love this guy. Unless they go out and they pick a guy. Now, they're going to have a lot of cap money available, but a lot of that cap money has got to go to free agent or restricted free agents they have. They're not going to spend money, nor do I think they're going to draft a running back high. I think Damian Williams is going to be their running back the next couple of years. I love him. So Yeah, I completely agree. Again, that contract is huge. All right, so here we are. Finally, we've gotten it. We got to talk about Kareem Hunt, guys. I think this isn't a subject that I'm not excited to talk about this subject because it's super weird. Like, I don't know how to explain this, but honestly, here's why he is ranked below Nick Chubb. He had some great stats last year, 824 rushing yards, 4.6 yards per carry. Of course, remember that he did this in 11 games, so these stats are a bit skewed. He had, uh, what, 43 uh, missed tackles or... Uh, excuse me, avoided tackles, 46 first downs. He was very productive in a lot of ways, 3.35 yards after contact. He was awesome. But again, I think one thing is that he really benefited from that offense. When you look at the running backs that came in after he left, they were also productive. Um, and they also had a lot of skill. But you want to talk about a little bit, if you have anything in, his, in the passing game that he did? 
You know what? I didn't break him down much. I'm going to let you talk about him quite a bit. He was great in the passing game. He's a true three down back. I love this guy. Uh, he's very solid. No doubt he's going to be back in the NFL. He's looking at a small, small suspension. I thought he'd be a great fit for, like, say, the Chicago Bears, whatever it is. I'm a little disappointed he went to uh, Cleveland. That, to me, uh, downgrades him quite a bit. I kind of wondered, is there a possibility of maybe a trade in the works there? I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. But uh, nothing to add. You go ahead and break down your stats. Yeah, who knows? It seems like there's definitely something going on there. And luckily, one of the benefits that we have is, one, this is a dynasty video, so we don't have to make predictions for just next year. That's kind of nice to stay away from that a little bit. But also, again, going forward, we have so much offseason, guys. You're absolutely right. A trade could happen. An injury could happen. Reports could come out. Maybe a report comes out and says Kareem Hunt's the guy, or maybe it says Chubb's the guy or whatever. We've got all these things going on. One thing to me is clear. And when we compare these stats side by side, which unfortunately we don't have right now, maybe we make a specific video for this. Leave us a comment if this is something you want in a video just comparing the two guys one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but the stats make it pretty clear that Hunt is the better receiving back and that Nick Chubb is the better running back. I mean, that is rushing back, and that's really what it comes down to. All right, what about Aaron Jones? This guy seems like a bit of a troublemaker. It's always hard to put him on your team when he's got suspensions and injury issues, but the production is there. On 133 carries, he had 5.5 uh, yards per carry. He was very productive. Uh, however, he did struggle in a few areas. Um, is there anything you want to say? I, I feel bad. I don't so, want to say get anything out there before you go. Uh, so I want to start by saying that we advertise this guy. A lot of you people were very upset with us. You said Jamal Williams. He's the guy who said, don't listen to that. All year long, we said when he gets off suspension, he will take over as a lead back. He did. Uh, it's really a shame he hurt his knee. He finished with 728 yards and nine touchdowns in 12 games. Very solid numbers there. He's only going to be 24 next year. But he plays big and physical. He, he reminds me an awful lot. In fact, his size is almost identical to Maurice Jones-Drew at 5'9", 208. Um, he's big, he's stocky, and he had a 5.5 yards per carry, it's the same as his rookie, so I don't think that's a fluke there. Um, he showed good signs with 26 catches. This is a guy, if you begin to break it down, he wasn't great in any one area, but he was good across the board. He had a good elusive rating, had good yards per carry, good yard after contact. He was just solid across the board. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I don't know if there's any one area that you can knock him. Again, the one area that people have been knocking him is that the Packers had refused to commit to him, right? Why aren't they committing to him as their back? Well, see, McCarthy got fired, and then they brought in this other guy, and he didn't necessarily do a great job. They're really still finding themselves as an organization, and I'm sure when you get the right coach in there for a whole season as an NFL coach, he's got to be smart enough to recognize that the best running back in that offense is Aaron Jones. Uh, but that's Aaron Jones for you guys, of course. Very efficient, 70.4% catch percentage, nine touchdowns on the season. Uh, that's really all you need to know about him. He's just waiting to have a full season as the guy in that offense, which he's absolutely earned the right to be. Let's get to the next guy. And here we come Leonard Fournette. Now, Leonard Fournette is a guy I just don't like much as a person, as a coach. I wouldn't want him on my roster. Uh, but some of the things that he does well, some of his vol his volume value, and some of, again, some areas he's very productive, we got to put him on this list. Yeah, it's funny because, uh, okay, this is our best dynasty running backs number 19. This guy's 6'3", 233 pounds, former first-round pick, fourth overall. And because of that, you got you got you you can't ignore this guy. You know he's had some struggles there. But there is red flags, and I do have concerns about him. I'll tell you what they are, and I feel like I'm kind of talking him right out of our rankings here. But um, his yards after contact are low for a guy his size. He should be making his money being physical breaking tackles. His yards after contact in both seasons have not been good. 2.35 and 2.36, that's very low when this is a guy that should be doing that. Now, I will give him this. He's facing more loaded boxes than any running back in the NFL last two years. This year, 35% of the time. The year before, 48% of the time he faced loaded boxes. Concern I have, he saw less loaded boxes this year, but saw a decrease in his yards per carry from 3.9 to 3.3. 
Um, He's a guy that I would say is scary, but he has what I call high risk and high reward. He's a guy that could bottom on the NFL and be gone like Trent Richardson, or he's a guy that could um, you could get him later, a couple rounds uh, later in the draft, pay a little less for this guy, and he could explode because he, he does have that sort of talent. He makes me think of a sort of player like Garrett Blunt, who I remember he went to the Patriots and kind of people thought he wasn't going to do much, but then purely off his physicality, he was able to get 18 touchdowns that year. That's sort of what Leonard Fournette brings to the table. Again, you talk about that low yards after contact. Here's an interesting thing about that. He only averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Of those 3.3 yards, on average, 2.35 of those were after contact. That means he was getting hit on average, less than, barely less than a yard from the line of scrimmage. And you know what? His yards per carry and his yards after contact will get better when that offensive line gets better. It's hard for a running back to have a high yards after contact when he hasn't had the opportunity to get full speed and to really get running. If an offensive line can give him the ability to get a couple of yards downfield before hitting someone, that number is going to go up. Both numbers are going to go up, and his production is going to skyrocket. Yeah. Now, there are concerns the front office. sounds like they're tired of him a little bit. They're displeased with some of his behaviors. Um, will he stay with the team? There's been talk even him going to Philadelphia, trade for Nick We'll have to see how that plays out. And he has a hard time staying healthy. He's got, If you're going all the way back to college, even in the NFL, he's missed a lot of games with suspension. Okay, But let's say he stays with the Jaguars. And let's say he personally turns things around. This guy starts playing better whatnot. Um, I think he's hindered by the team's offense. He faced, he faced more loaded boxes in 2017 because ultimately they've got to get a capable quarterback there with Blake Bortles. And that's another one, by the way. We said that a lot of people hate us for that. We said Blake Bortles is not good. Um, he's not good and he is gone. Um, I'm concerned about that. I'm also concerned that they brought in as their offensive coordinator, John Filippo, who struggled to run the ball at the Vikings. And then before, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Browns, uh, they struggled to run the ball then. So that doesn't bode well. So even if he personally turns things around, I think he's a guy that's got talent, but he's in a bad situation. So hopefully that situation will improve. They need a better quarterback. They need to do some other things there. Um, but if they do, he could really turn some things around there. So so there you have it. There's our, what, number 18 or number 19 ranked running back and why he's awful. <laughs> he's awful. So, but he's He's too talented. Former first-round pick, fourth overall. You got to talk about this guy. So. Absolutely, he's a guy you don't you don't like. He's kind of like Lamar Miller. Those are two sort of running backs that you, you're not a huge fan of them, but the volume and some of their games and some of their stretches are so good. They've got to go somewhere on the list. Now to our last guy. Some of you're going to hate what we're about to say about this guy. At least what I'm about to say. We'll see what you have to say. Absolutely. What about Philip Lindsay? Man, this guy came out and he shocked some people. 5.4 yards per carry. He's one of the only six guys on us, this top 20 list with over 1,000 rushing yards. Man, he was this huge part of this Broncos offense. But let's hate on him a little bit. So let's hate on him. One, uh, this guy was awesome. Let's give him all the credit in the world. Um, he had over 1,000 rushing yards. He was an all-pro. Love this guy. But he's a small back at 190 pounds. We talked in our video, uh, a couple ones we released, so I'm not sure which one it was, why smaller backs long-term can have problems in the NFL. So at 190 pounds, um, he only saw loaded boxes and extremely low only 14% of the time. His partner there, Royce Freeman, saw one second most in the NFL 36% of the time. What's concerning about that, he didn't see a lot of loaded boxes. Yards after contact, do you have it on there? Yeah, his yards after contact, just 2.35, one of the worst on this list, and that is one of our major concerns. Uh, he's a guy who is, and you can talk, maybe I don't have his specific numbers down, but he is a smaller running back. Mm -hmm. and, and those two things combine low yards after contact, smaller size, 
It's a real concern as far as can he take that workload season after season. Yeah. His yards after contact are probably not going to be great because of his size. Now, he is fast. He has elusiveness, and that's going to be the strength. Um, I also had great hands in college, so I do think his game is going to change. I don't think he's going to be a back that's going to get 1,000 yards next season. That's my prediction. I think maybe seven, 800 yards, but I think you'll see an increase in his use in the passing game, very similar to you see with Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, um, who's very effective there. Um, now he's expected to miss four to six months. He had wrist surgery. He's got to come back with that. That's a concern a little bit there. Um, also, the fact that he didn't face a lot of loaded boxes. So I think um, if you look at Denver, they often were playing from behind. Defenses were in pass formation. So he benefited from a lot of space that he saw, and he exploited that space because he's a quick, elusive back there. But defense are going to take notice to this guy. We saw that in Todd Gurley's case. Rookie year, phenomenal. Defenses took notice. His yards per carry dropped from 4.8 down to 3.2. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from this guy, but he's not a guy that I would pick in the first or second round. I know a lot of you are going to get excited and grab this guy. I would not do that. I think he's got a limited fantasy ceiling because of his size there. Now, if someone would look at other undrafted free agents that have come in the game, running backs like a Priest Holmes, Arian Foster, Fred Jackson, Joe Perry, and look at their success and say, hey, he can do it too. They were radically different backs. They were much bigger, a lot of them being 20, 30, 35 pounds bigger than he was. So it doesn't translate the same as far as I'm concerned there. Um, anything you want to add to that there? No, I don't really have anything to add, guys. He is just like, you know, a while back, many, many seasons ago, it feels like, was Lamar Miller, a guy who in Miami was very, very efficient, and they refused to keep giving him the ball in more volume. And why was that? Well, because they just kept saying you couldn't quite take the workload and couldn't quite take the workload. And it just seems that there are running backs in the NFL that are like that, and this is one of those guys. I think he's very efficient. I think he's very effective. I think he'll have similar numbers next year. But as far as his long-term value goes, Royce Freeman's been effective, and I'd love to see Royce. Freeman continue to develop that could hurt him of course if that offense and that passing game and that defense and that whole team is as a whole improves he's going to face a little bit tougher boxes a little bit tougher things to work with and so again some things are really offsetting there but right there at number 20 I think is the perfect spot for him all right, so let's conclude it there. Uh, love to hear your comments, thoughts, and please share, like the videos, help us continue to grow on the channel. Look for some changes that are coming. Love you guys. Take care and God bless.